Hello, Hope Brooklyn. My name is Gabe Barrero, and it is an honor for me uh, to bring this Sunday morning's message. Russell and Anna are great friends uh, to me, and I'm so thankful to know them. And this is just a huge privilege to be able to just be a part of your community of faith this weekend. I'm honored to share this morning's message. And in, at the beginning of 2020, I was asking the Lord for a focus point for this year it was really clear that I needed to go back to my first love. And I think that this series entitled First Love is just perfect um, because I've been processing it myself. And so I'm really excited to be able to share with you just some of the things that um, have resonated with me. And so here we go. This, this message is entitled, When Love Came to Town. And, and before we get into the text that we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter eight, I want to I give a little bit of a background that I think is so important to just set this whole narrative up that we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter eight, verses 40 and 50. But here's the background. In Luke chapter eight, Jesus is giving a message, a, a story, an image of a farmer sowing seed. And he describes how this seed is scattered on various soil. And, and I'm sure you've read this before and you're familiar with it. He talks about the seed falling on soil um, that, that, that's like rocky soil and it's not good soil. He talks about it falling among the thorns and, and then he talks about it falling on the path. And in every one of those situations, the seed just doesn't set in, it doesn't grow, it doesn't produce something. But then in the end of the story of this parable, he says that there's good soil. There's good soil that the seed falls on and it, and it, and it bears much fruit. It multiplies, which represents how people are responding to the invading presence of the God's kingdom in their life. What Jesus is saying is people, how they're reacting or how they're interacting or how they're responding to God is really a heart issue. And he describes that there's this kind of heart that's like good soil that when seed falls on it, something of life happens. And, and the story we're going to be looking at right now in this narrative is about this person that Jesus has an encounter with. And this woman we're going to be reading about, she represents good soil. She's the, she's the embodiment of that kind of heart that wants to respond to God, that, that's ready to respond to God. And so I'm excited to share this with you. So follow along with me in Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 50. This is what it says. And now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue ruler, came and fell at his feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And we can understand this man is in, a, is in a very desperate situation. His daughter of 12 years old is about to die, and he comes in that desperation to Jesus. And Jesus is now on his way to his house, and it says, and on his way... The crowds almost crushed him. Jesus had these crowds that followed him and, 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 and they're pressing in on him. And it, the Bible says they almost crushed him. And it was 
within that crowd, this woman was among the crowd. And it says that there was a woman in verse 43 who was there and had been subject to bleeding for about 12 years, but no one can heal her. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Who touched me? When all had denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are all crowding and pressing up against you. In other words, everybody's bumping into you and touching you. Like, what's with the question, Jesus? But Jesus goes on, he says, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Virtue had gone out from him. Then the woman, seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told them why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And while Jesus was still speaking, someone from the house of Jairus came to him, the, the synagogue ruler's house, and they said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the master any longer. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. And the rest of the narrative is that, yes, Jesus goes to this young girl's house, and, and she does live. But I want to focus on this woman that was among the crowd with the issue of bleeding that touched Jesus. What I want to do is I want to spend a short amount of time with point one and point three, and I want to spend a little bit longer amount of time with point two. But, but this is what I want to say first of all. The first thing is that the first love, the first love really comes from God. There is no greater love than the love of God. And God is the one that initiated the outpouring of his love towards humanity. See, he's the first love. God is a loving father that initiates the outpouring of love on you and on me. He's always first. He is a God that is full of love for us. Jesus calls God his father in heaven. And we see that through the ministry of Jesus, that God is the initiator of the outpouring of his love. He designs the redemption of all people. He initiates the unfolding of his plan. This is amazing. He's actively preparing people, relentlessly pursuing people that they might receive his love before you or I or a pastor or a missionary or a leader or any other disciple ever arrived to, to, to be the, 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 the ones that are dispensers of God's love, what we have to understand is that God got there before we did. He was already preparing their hearts for the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. See, God is the initiator of love. He is first love. How do we know that God is? has this initiative of love, this outpouring of love, because he sent his son. We know 
that on the timeline of history, there was this moment where Jesus came from heaven to earth. It's marked in history. This person, this man named Jesus who walked the earth was God initiating his love towards mankind. When Jesus carried out his ministry, this is what's important for us to understand. Jesus embodies the love of God, but he informs how this gospel of love should be transmitted from one person to another. Jesus informs how love takes place in the world, how it's dispensed and how it's appropriated into our lives. God initiates and Jesus informs. See, Jesus enters in a specific history and culture of a particular group and time. He entered into the shared consciousness and the shared traditions of a people, a shared mental processes and patterns of relationships that made up his Jewish culture. Jesus came to a specific time and place, and it's in that place, in that unique context, that he lived out this love of God towards mankind. Jesus's death, life, death, and resurrection and ascension all take place within a particular history. See, one of the things that's really important for us to understand is that Jesus came to you and I because God initiated the sending of his son. But where did he come to? Who did he come to? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Christ came not as a privileged human with access to religious or worldly prestige. He came incognito to live as a man among men and women on the other side of humanity. He chose solidarity with sinful humanity to live as a beggar amongst beggars, as an outcast among outcasts, despairing among the despairing and dying among the dying. When Jesus described his ministry, when he described what God had intended him to do and how God had purposed for him to show the love of God to the world, this is what Jesus said about himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the ministry of Jesus, this is what we understand. And this is my second point. No one is excluded from God's love. No one is excluded from God's love. Jesus full of the spirit, spirit empowered, was on a missionary journey into the Galilean countryside, into the Galilean territory, where this encounter with this woman takes place. This journey into the Galilean countryside was where people knew in Jesus's time, it was the place of unclean spirits, unclean people, a hopeless people, a people that had been separated from the people of God, and although this is scandalous that Jesus went to them, it's actually what increased his fame and why the crowds had grown. Jesus was known, and as we read in the Bible, as a friend of sinners. This is not a compliment. This is a derogatory statement, but it speaks to this reality that no one is excluded from the love of God. No one is. 
And so Jesus' fame grew and the crowds of people kept growing. And thankfully, this woman, this woman that had this issue of bleeding had heard about his ministry. We don't know how, we don't know who told her, but what we do know is that this was her day. This was a very important day for her. Somehow she knew that love was coming to town. And in her context, she was gonna risk everything to come and to meet him and to touch him. But she was, listen, she was marginalized. She was rejected and she was ashamed and alone, dehumanized. She was outcast. She was hopeless. She was poor. She was timid and she was afraid and counting her last days. This issue of bleeding was taking her life away and she knew it. The simple fact that she was a woman in Palestinian society during that time already marked her as one of relative um, low status. In addition to this, she was sick. And her sickness, although apparently not physically debilitating because she can actually get to where Jesus was, it was socially devastating. Because of this issue of bleeding, she had to live on the outside, on the outside, outside of her community. Her hemorrhaging um, um, rendered her ritually unclean and in a perpetual state of impurity. Although she wasn't physically um, in a condition that made her contagious, her ritual condition was. And with the consequence that left her in isolation and living apart from her community for 12 years. See, this woman exists outside the boundaries, outside the boundaries of being able to be with her community. Some people in her time had to have thought this woman is so selfish to leave from the margins and to enter into the crowded area because she would contaminate everyone. The selfishness of this woman, the audacity of this woman. And yet she takes it a step further. She knows that Jesus is a holy man of God. He's a rabbi. She knows that he's a miracle worker. She must have heard that people that Jesus touched were healed. And she must have known that with her own impurity because of this bleeding, she must have known that in touching him, she would make him unclean and impure. And she knew that the people would shame her for doing such a thing. The audacity and the selfishness of this woman to leave from the marginalized place and to come to touch Jesus. But she touched him. She touched the edge of his cloak and she was healed and she was healed. Why does Jesus ask this question, who touched me? Wasn't it enough that she was healed and now that she can quietly go on with the rest of her life? Wasn't that enough? Why ask this question, who touched me? Jesus, just let her go. But this question is powerful. This question has profound implications. Yes, she was instantly healed, the Bible says, but this question has other intended purposes. She must testify. 
she must declare, she must speak of the profound things that God does. Out of this marginalized, hurting, and broken woman must come the evangelism. This is a moment for everyone to hear what God has done, that God is initiating his outpouring of love upon humanity. See, uh, this, this cannot be wasted. This woman must testify. Yes, she's physically healed, but this is what Jesus is doing. He's giving her her voice back. He's dignifying her. Because she was rejected and marginalized, this is the moment that she is given back her dignity. And because she speaks, she is also empowered to proclaim the good news and the power of God that was operatively working in her life. This is a critical moment. The other thing that Jesus is doing is he is deconstructing the whole religious and social system that would actually marginalize and dehumanize humanize a woman like her. Jesus is now against and creating a counterattack, a deconstructing systems in religion and society that dehumanize people. Everyone is now learning that it is not right to leave a woman on the outside dying. See, there's a physical healing but there's a much larger holistic healing that's taking place. Those that are hearing, their hearts are being transformed. The whole civic community now and the crowd is also seeing the kingdom of God manifest because Jesus is showing us that God initiates his love towards us. And then lastly, I wanna say that there is no other plan for the love of God to flow in the world. You and I are it. We're it. You and I are it. The Spirit led Jesus outward to the blind, the marginalized, and the broken, and the despairing, and the dying. And the Spirit now, the Holy Spirit, goes before the church, goes before you and I, leading us outward, leading us to people that we we who receive God's love and know God's love can now freely give it to those in our life, those who intersect with us, those that we come in in contact with. We are now the dispensers of love. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. That's not what we need to do. He's empowering the preaching of the gospel and bringing people to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is transforming the church to be a contrast community of love. We're different. We're called to be different. We're called to embody this love, embody this gospel of love, and to be different because love is what defines us, and this love is what sets us apart. We are witnesses of the the redemptive work of God in the world. The Holy Spirit is charged with the assimilation of the gospel into the life of a community of believers. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, in you as a community of faith. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit's central work is the reproducing of disciples and communities of faith that embody this love, this gospel of love. Hope Brooklyn, you exist today because the Spirit has formed you into a community of faith, a community of faith 
that has freely received God's, God's love and now it's your time, it's your moment to find ways to be givers of that love. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and it says in the Bible, in Luke chapter nine, it says he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he's empowered us and he's called us to himself and he is now sending us to live out his mission, his manifold ministry to the ends of the earth. Now, I know that it's very easy for you and I to dismiss ourselves. I know that we may feel unqualified. Maybe we just don't know enough about God or enough about the Bible. Maybe we look at ourselves and we might feel like, I'm too broken, I'm hurting, I'm unclean, or, or maybe we feel really sinful. And we want to disqualify ourselves. And we might think, well, that's the job for somebody else. But let me just make this really clear. God uses broken and sinful people because there are no other kinds of people. You and I are it. We're the ones. And somehow, wonderfully, God works in and through our lives. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to offer ourselves to Jesus and surrender our lives that we might be the first love of God in someone else's life. And I wanna close with this, going back to this idea of first love. Here's how I'm reflecting and here's how I'm thinking about first love. Coming back to my first love. First love is this, knowing of God's initiative of love towards you and me. He is the source of love. I am loved, you are loved. We are the beloved of God and he has initiated that. That's what first love, that's where it starts first is knowing that God loves us. The second thing I've been thinking about is first love is knowing that no one is excluded from God's love. No one is. This is really important just like how God has reached out to us. We have to believe and expect that God loves even the unlovable. See, because every one of us, if we're really honest, we carry in our pocket an unpublished list of people that we don't like, people that we don't care very much about, people that we find very hard to have compassion for. We carry that unpublished list and we don't want anybody to see it, but if we're really honest, they're there. We know who those people are. And I think first love is recognizing that no one is excluded from the love of God. And it's us asking God, God, enlarge my heart to make room to have compassion and love for people the way that you do. Help me to see people through your eyes. This is first love. And then lastly, first love is knowing that I'm called and that you're called to action. We preach the word, we, we talk about God's love but we need to move in obedience 
And we need to respond in those places where love is needed. Look around you. Open your eyes and see who's reaching out to you. It may not look like a hand extended to you, but with God's eyes, you'll be able to see where he's calling you to respond. And first love is about recognizing that you and I have a calling on our life to make God's love known in the world. So if love comes to town, if love comes to town in our day and age, that means that you and I came to town. Love comes to the places where you and I go, just like it was with Jesus. And so I wanna close by just saying this to you. My prayer for you is that you will know God's love in greater dimension, that you will know how much he loves you and that that will rekindle your first love. My other prayer for you is going to be that you will know that no one is excluded from God's love. No one is. And that God would increase your compassion and love even for those people who you might say or might find are unlovable. I was one of those people for somebody else. I was the least likely to be the person to give his life to Jesus. But someone believed and someone worked through their own prejudice to get to me. So I'm gonna pray that God would give you greater compassion and that lastly, he will show you how to respond in word and in deed. Hope Brooklyn, I love you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. One of these days, we'll be together. God bless you. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to share the word with you.